Hello, this is a prepaid collect call from Dante. An inmate at the Jackson Correctional Institution. All calls, other than properly placed attorney calls, may be monitored and recorded. To accept charges, press 1. To refuse charges, press 2. If you would like to permanently block your number from receiving calls from this facility, press 6. For balance and rate quotes, press 7. Thank you for using CenturyLink. You may start the conversation now. Welcome to the U.S. Podcast. I am your host, Dante Cottingham. This morning I'm speaking to Mr. Wolf Fittler. He's a member of the Texas Inmate Families Association, has a website called teensinprison.org, and is a member of a juvenile justice reform organization called Epicenter. Good morning, Mr. Fittler. Good morning. How are you, Dante? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for asking. I'd like to thank you for taking the time to have this discussion with me. Well, it, it, it's certainly my pleasure and, and my responsibility to, to work with guys like you to make the system more fair and uh, humane. I appreciate that. Um, I have some questions I'd like to ask you to get your perspective on some of the components of mass incarceration in America, but before we get to those, please tell us a little bit about Epicenter. What, what is this mission and what inspired you to join the organization? Well, uh, well, there's a couple questions there. Uh, Epicenter was, is a Facebook group that was begun this year uh, during the Texas legislative session when a bill was being considered to give juveniles sentenced to really long life or terms uh, a parole review after 20 years instead of half their sentence. Okay. And uh, there's a lot of uh, juveniles in the – or they were juveniles then. There's a lot of prisoners in Texas prisons that were sentenced as juveniles to really long terms, and many of them not, not for homicide offenses. Um, the reason I'm interested in it is when I was in uh, graduate school, I uh, spent a year in the Minnesota State Prison, and after that I got a job as a probation and parole officer and worked in a variety of social work organizations. And after 15 years of that, I thought, well, this is um, I need to switch, and I'm not making any difference here. And so I uh, became a woodworker for 30 years and but never lost interest in criminal justice system and how it needed to be changed. And uh, so I would write things, a uh, letter, letter to the editor or something, and about three years ago a, a mom called me and said her son read something I wrote. He wanted to connect with me. He's been in prison for 20 years, sentenced at age 17 to 50 years, and his mission is to change how juveniles are treated uh, in the criminal justice system. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, does Epicenter focus primarily on, uh, on juveniles in Texas, or, or is it a national agenda? It's right right now. It's focused on juveniles in Texas. Okay, okay. And it, it's my understanding that Epicenter supports the Texas the Texas Second Look 2019 bill. What's the nature of this bill? Well, it, it's like I mentioned before. The the idea right now, if you're say if you're sentenced to 50 years in prison, you yeah. have to serve. 25 years or half your sentence before anyone will talk to you about getting okay. out. The second okay. look bill was, you know, giving the appearance of being more humane, which means, oh, you only have to serve 20 years before you get uh, consideration for parole. Okay. And I know there are, there are states where it's lower than that. Um, like Rhode Island, the, the Senate just passed a bill where you get a second look after 15 years. And 
I think 20 years is way too long because of the differences there are between individuals. But that that's what the focus is, is to give, you know, long kid, people that were sentenced as children, basically, a second yeah. look uh, prior to the way the present rules are, which requires half the sentence. And, 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 and you're absolutely correct. And I can attest to it personally. Um, I got a, a life sentence when I was 17 years old. Uh, I've been in prison for the past 22 years. And just to make a point to you, you're absolutely right. It's a completely different way of thinking for juveniles. Um, and to make that point, I'll tell you that when I first came to prison, uh, one of the things that I believed was that my mother and the judge, and I believed this for a couple of years, that my mother and the judge would have just concocted this story. And they were going to come get me, and they were going to bring me uh, back to the courtroom after a couple of years, after they thought I learned my lesson, and they were going to send me right. home to my mother. And I believed that, um, right. uh, Mr. Sittler, for, for a couple of years. So, and, and only a child would believe something like that. So, yeah, I, I agree with you 1,000%. Uh, it's a complete and utter difference between um, children and adults, no matter what crime the child has committed. Um, for, for, for our listeners, excuse me, you want you to say something? Well, I was going to say that, uh, as you know, neuroscience has proven that children are, you know, that especially men, they don't, their brains don't really mature until they're mid twenties, and to yeah. treat them like to treat them like adults when they're not adults is just not right, and uh, it's it's actually I consider it kind of to be a crime. Okay, so so tell me this, so. You have some people out there and that that says this. And what would you what would you what would you say to the people that says if a child does the crime they do the time? Well, what that does, that denies the individual differences and potential of each person. The way the way it's done now, like like you said, uh, there's a cookie cutter type of system that we have set up now. If you do aggravated robbery, well, the rule says you have to do 20 years to, uh, to life or something like that. And right. what that does, it, it doesn't take into consideration the individual or the mitigating factors that exist in every single case. And uh, it's right. taken away it's taken away the discretion that judges are supposed to have. Absolutely. And uh, what, what, I, what I'm thinking is that instead of if you do the time, you do the crime, you have... Uh, Instead of calling it crime and punishment, you call it mistakes and consequences. So there's no there's no recipe that can effectively deal with individuals with you know labels and stuff like that. It just doesn't work. Right. Right. And that's right. that's I think why the present system that we have, where there's such a high recidivism rate, because individuals are ignored, their differences are ignored. They're all treated like categories. Absolutely, and it doesn't work. Uh, having 2.3 million people incarcerated today uh, is a testament that it doesn't work. Right, exactly so. And one of the reasons there's so many people in prison is that there's so many laws where there, a lot of things are being criminalized that shouldn't be criminalized. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, like drug addiction, for example. Uh, that's, that's more of a mental health problem or emotional problem than it is a criminal problem. Ain't no question about it. Um <laughs> Real quickly, if, if our listeners wanted to, uh, our listeners in Texas wanted to show their support for this bill, for the, the uh, 2019 bill, the second look bill, how would you suggest they show their support? Well, uh, they could join the uh, the Epicenter group. It's on Facebook. Just type in Epicenter, 
and uh, join up with that. The, uh, okay. Texas Inmate, the Texas Inmate Family Association is also promoting it, as is the uh, Texas Criminal Justice Coalition. There's a uh, even there's even there's a, a conservative think tank called the Texas Public Policy Foundation, and they have a uh, one section of that is called Right on Crime, and they are promoting that too. So and where can it be reached? Uh, well, they, the Texas Public Policy Foundation, just, you can Google that. Google that, okay, okay. Yeah. And what I'll do yeah. is I'll put all of these links along with this podcast as well. So if anybody interested in, 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 in supporting and participating and getting this bill passed, uh, I'll put all the links where they can find and they can reach whoever they want to reach along this podcast. Uh, yeah, great. To, to my next question, what's the, what's the focus and mission? Uh, well, it's basically to shed a light on how juveniles are treated in the criminal okay. justice system. Okay. I, I actually, I don't like the term criminal justice because there's not a lot of justice in the system. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, it's about educating people about how ineffective it is to sentence young men to extremely long sentences when young men are uh, exactly in the position where they have the best potential to change. You know, that's that's why the military likes to recruit young men because they can, you know, shape them like they want to. No and uh, also part of the teens in prison thing is, you know, the reason a lot of these youngsters get sent to prison is, well, they, they're usually not from well-to-do families, and we have a system where justice is too often for sale. You know, if, if you have if you had a like a defense call team calls, like OJ. other than properly placed attorney calls may be monitored and recorded. Please continue. Okay, uh, this justice for sale thing is our prisons are filled to a large extent with poor people who could not mm-hmm. afford the highest quality lawyers. Right, if they right. had been able, if they had been able to do that, they would have gotten a better deal. And uh, so that's another part of it is uh, the injustice of lack of money brings you a lower quality of justice. What do you you believe, and I absolutely agree with you, uh, again, um, I can attest to that personally, Um, what what do you think the juvenile justice reform movement needs to be successful? Well, you need to change the hearts and minds of a lot of people. A lot of people, they just, when they think of criminals, they just, put you all in the category that they don't want to think about, you know, you're gone in prison, who cares? And uh, no one realized, no, the individuality of uh, prisoners is forgotten, as are their families and the victims that were involved. I mean, it's, uh, there just needs to be a lot more education of the public so they know how our tax dollars are being wasted locking up people who don't need to be locked up. And and then there's, of course, the idea of, well, uh, prisons don't do a very good job of helping people change and become responsible people. No, the the aim of of prisons today is to... They have, a, they have a need to control a bunch of people, and with some of the tools and methods they use to control is to break you. So, so essentially, right. what they ended up doing, they end up doing, they end up breaking people because they have a job to control. 
uh, they end up breaking people, and then they send these broken people to the streets and, and expect them to succeed. And that's that's not logical, nor is it realistic. Yep. Well, as, as you indicated, their logic and reason hasn't had a very important role in shaping how prisons are run or how the system is operated in general. And uh, it's been kind of an emotional type of response instead of a re- reason-based, logical, common-sense, practical attitude, which needs to be incorporated in order for us to, you know, make things better. Absolutely, absolutely. It's my understanding that you are you are, used to be a parole probation agent and you worked in a drug treatment program. How, how would you say that those experiences influenced you? Uh, well, the last job I had in the system was like 30 years ago when I was a probation officer in Travis County. I did okay. that for three years, and uh, after three years I saw, well, what I was doing, there was no way that I could be effective the way the system was designed. The caseloads were too big. Uh, resources weren't there that people could get referred to for drug treatment or mental health treatment or vocational rehab. Uh, yeah. Like you say, the emphasis is on custody and control, not on rehabilitation and personal growth. So people need to realize if you really want to deal with people that have already been convicted of crimes, you have to focus on what they need and how you can help them get that. And uh, but, but you can still you can still I can easily design the ideal prison where it has the right kind of program that benefits people and they learn personal responsibility and how to take care of themselves. However, un- unless we do more on the front end when kids start showing problems early on, we're going right. to keep on having people lining up to get into prison. Absolutely. So. So the solution needs to be all, you know, it's a cultural thing, basically. It's how people look at punishment, uh, how, how they look at crime, and uh, a lot of this stuff has been too emotionally based, and we need to add some uh, logic and reason to it. Truly emotional based, meaning emotional based meaning that uh, it feels good to say tough on crime, but it's not, it oh. doesn't have a logical or effective production. Yeah, right. It, it, it's a great talking point, and it's nice and simple, and you don't have to think yeah. about it. And uh, people seem to like uh, that kind of response. But when you start presenting them with the fact that, well, look how much this is costing, look not just financially, yeah. but to yeah. the lives of everybody that's impacted by this. Uh, but that that doesn't get much emphasis, and so I want to put more light on that so people start you know understanding what's going on. So would you agree, or, or, or would you say that, that that that's one of the the, the main forces that contributed to America reaching this current incarceration crisis? Uh, the tough on crime, the talking points, the politicians using it as a as a tool, as a weapon to obtain political power and position. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's, it, it it has nothing to do with the actual issues involved, like the trouble or the problems that people have that get them into crime it's just a you know it's a it's a way to get elected it's a way to you know keep power and um, okay. yeah, no it, it's totally uh totally backwards Absolutely. and it's all it's all fear-based politicians know that fear uh gets people uh, get people's attention you can uh focus on people's fears they'll respond in kind of a primal, uh, you know, way that overrules their reason. Where's, where's the hope? 
to hope. Yeah, what would you say? Where, where, where is there a place of hope? And this, and all of this madness, and all of this, this fear, and this, and this, 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 um, this extreme incarceration. What are you? Where is the hope? Well, the hope is in in uh, people like you that are doing what you're doing. There's I plenty of people. Thank there's you for plenty of people, and there are plenty of people in prison that are really uh, brilliant. Uh, and if they were encouraged to use that, uh, they could use their knowledge and experience to help change things. Then there's people on the outside who see what's screwed up, and they've been energized. There's a, a nationwide movement of people that see how dysfunctional the system is and how we need to change it. So the hope is that, you know, people, there's people on the inside and the outside that are seeing this is not humane, it's not fair, and uh, they're uh, starting to do something about it more than more than ever in the history of our country. I think. Absolutely, absolutely. And 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 as a man in prison, um, this is one of the darkest places on the planet uh, by far. One of the coldest, darkest places in the world. Um, and hope can be very hard to find. However, um, some of the things that you that you stated is, is definitely a reason to be hopeful. Um, things are beginning to shift. Um, and and I, I definitely put a, a large degree of hope and on on people and talking to people uh, like yourself and a lot of the other people that I've talked to. Um, yeah, you guys have been a tremendous source of hope for me. So thank you. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. I'm also I'm also seeing gradually that some church leaders are starting to step up to the plate. And seeing, well, we need to start implementing some of the, you know, the biblical values in uh, in this system, like uh, the golden rule and uh, yeah. stuff like that. And but uh, yeah. it takes guys like you, guys like me, to educate the general public so there's more awareness and more interest in making things how they could be. Absolutely. I got a. I got a. I'm, I'm currently working on a couple of guys in, in, in another country um, to, to to draw a, a comparison, the polarized differences between the different uh, approaches uh, uh, regarding incarceration, criminal justice, um, and, and 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 hopefully I, I get the interview because I think a lot of people need to see how drastically the different approaches are. Um, you got you got you got different countries that that like you said take a health care. Uh, approach to drug problems and don't see it as a criminal issue at all, but see it as a as a as a as a as a, as a health issue, and because that's exactly what it is. And those those countries aren't seeing a, a they don't have a lot higher crime rate because of that approach. So I'm looking forward to talking to this guy. I think it's very important for us to see other alternatives, and I, I think our listeners will benefit from that. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Just just like in Germany, the prison system over there is designed to uh, make prison life as close to regular life as possible. Right. And you can, they will let a convicted murderer go visit their family on the weekend. Yeah. You know, if, if as long as they demonstrate that they're responsible. You have one minute left. Absolutely. I'm sorry, uh, I've got a feeling we could have this discussion, man, for hours, but unfortunately our because, time is. It's come to the. It's come to me. I want to thank you again, man, for taking the time to talk to me. Great discussion. Uh, I'd like to invite you back, man, and 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 and, and, and for a part two of this discussion, man. Thanks again for coming. 
Okay, well, thank you very much, and I appreciate what you're doing. Thank you. Uh, this is Dante signing off with the Incarcerate U.S. Podcast, the place where all of our voices come together. All right. The caller has hung up.